live. See right there? there Look at go. that. I even got my name, Derek. There we go. And this is all professional. <laughs> hey, guys, this is uh, Bill Farrell. Uh, this is Rock Bottom to Recovery, episode 35. Uh, guest today is um, Derek Quirk. Uh, from uh, Joseph's House by Revelations Recovery. He's going to talk about his story and how he got to where um, he is today and what they're doing about um, helping people in recovery. Um, we were off the last uh, couple of weeks trying to work out some kinks. we got some new things going on, so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, as you guys know, I am part of the Hober Cares Coalition. Um, so let's see. And uh, because we're going live, I think here we are right here. I think I can share this. So we're trying a few things. Uh, share. All right. Booyah. I just shared a live video. I think this worked. Here we go. Um, is it live? I guess it is. I guess we'll find out soon enough. So. <laughs> have you ever done a podcast before? I have. Yeah? Where, uh, which one? Uh, Life on Life Terms. Who runs that? Chris Mandeville and Thomas Robinson. Oh, are they going to be? Um, are they going to be on the uh, the award ceremony? They are. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. That's awesome. So good. Other people are out there doing their thing. So, um, so uh, Derek, let's uh, let's chat. What um, <clears throat> you obviously have been down the road of addiction. Yes. Yeah. So how did that start? What age did you um, get started with um, addiction? How old um, you? you know. For me, it was really like experimental phases in like middle school um, is when it became like a regular thing. It was more of like, uh, I wouldn't say I was quite addicted. Um, it was more in party phase. Yeah. You know. Um, what did you start off with? Uh, beer. Beer? Beer, did you, you smoke? know. Smoked, yeah. Smoked weed. Went right to the, right to the weed, marijuana. Um, you know, cigarettes. Yeah. Um, were cigarettes first? Um, I mean, I, 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 to be, if we're being honest here, I mean, I had my first cigarette and beer uh, way before I had moved out to New Bedford. Uh, you know, I was probably six or seven, uh, you know, tried it, choked, and, yeah. you know. Where'd you get them from? Uh, Papa, Papa. <laughs> yeah, Papa always had beers and Budweiser's in the fridge and, yeah. you know, Marlboro, uh, Marlboro Reds on the table, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so you kind of was messing around in middle school and... Yeah. Uh, what about your friends? Did you guys all... Yeah, so, I, you know, <clears throat> I, think, um, I think a lot of us at that age, you know, seventh grade, um, where, where back then it was like Mad Dog yeah. uh, 2020, oh. you know, Old English, 40 ounces, you Night know, like the good stuff. <laughs> um, which I rem I think when you had uh, Rosario on here, he was referencing those, and I was I was watching, laughing my uh, my ass off on it. But, well, you um, know, it's funny because um, I did have an experience with Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Which, if you don't know what that is, uh, then you're you too young. They, you get a nice big bottle of grape wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I paid a buck ninety nine for it, and uh, so I paid a little money up front, and then I paid dearly. Later. Uh, later on that evening, oh, yeah. I think I might have mixed some pizza in there, and oh, yeah. I think I was wearing something white. Which, that wasn't white. Yeah, anymore. it wasn't uh, wasn't white by the end of the night. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, bad news. So, um, so middle school and everything. When did it? Um, when did it slowly begin to kind of take 
take over for you? You know, so looking back on my life, it, 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 it became a problem, um, I would say definitely in high school. Um, you know, partying uh, became a priority, whereas yep. soccer should have been my priority. Um, a lot of people that grew up with me that know me well know that soccer is a big part of my story and um, drugs and alcohol, you know, prevented me from, from taking that to potentially a professional level. Wow, so you yeah. really, you were good at soccer. I was, I, God blessed me with the gift to play the game. Yep. Um, I played it at a competitive level. Um, I've played it, you know, around the world competitively at, at a youth level. Yeah. Um, but again, like for me back then in those days, it was like, you know, go to school, like fall is soccer season, you know, do really good during soccer season on my academics. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then as soon as soccer season was over, it was like way too much downtime for Derek and, uh, you know, it just, my I, progression was always present. Yeah. So you, so during the soccer season, you always did fairly well. And then as soon as soccer was over. Game over. Game over. Yeah. Um, Party time. And so uh, how long did that um, take for you to where now all of a sudden soccer is no longer a priority? Because that was a big thing for you, correct? It was my passion. I mean, yeah. growing up in an alcoholic home with a lot of drugs and violence and police involved, you know, before I moved to New Bedford, I, I resided in Braintree. Mm -hmm. And um, mom and dad were in a very toxic relationship. So um, that soccer field was like my sanctuary, right? you know? Um, and it was where I could take out my aggression and my anger and stuff, and that's where I coped mm -hmm. um, until I found drugs and alcohol yep. and started coping that way instead of, you know, leaving that stuff alone right. and focusing on, you know, soccer, so. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's the, these stories are very common. Um, Too common. I had, a, had a gentleman on. Uh, really very good baseball player, same thing. Kind of ended up taking the the drugs, the alcohol, ends up taking precedent over, you know, what was important to them. So yeah. how, how did that affect um, soccer? Like, did you, did you get through high school? I did, barely. Yeah. Barely. I ended up uh, finishing at New Bedford High night school, um, you know, but I, um, you know, I, I was captain of the team my senior year. Yeah. Um, I was... In Dart I went to Dartmouth High School as a freshman, um, you know, and, and missed the first two days of tryouts mm -hmm. and uh, got put on JV. Yep. And, you know, instead of putting my pride in my pocket, I just didn't play at all because I took my ball, I went home. Yep. I sat out my whole freshman year. Um, came back sophomore year, had a phenomenal season, um, you know, but academically I was in jeopardy of playing. Right. Um, you know, got some help along the way, played junior year, um, and then was elected captain my senior year, and I was getting, you know, full rides from D1 schools all around the country. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I was ineligible to play ball my senior year. And once once that happened, yeah. that's really where it took off for that's me. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't go to a game. I couldn't read a newspaper. I didn't want to have a conversation about any type of soccer, um, and I just numbed myself, you know. And uh, so, where did that end up taking you? So then, now it's wide open, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, pick a road. I mean, they they were all dark and and dreary. Um, 
you know, it, it, I, um, it turned me to the streets. I started selling drugs, um, you know, which I kind of dabbled in that all through high school yeah. just to make some money and support my habits. And, um, you know, because I didn't want to work during high school. Like, that was too much effort. Um, so I, I um, you know, I ended up down the Cape. Ironically, I, I got invited to a 4th of July uh, keg party. Mm -hmm. And um, I had had enough with New Bedford and I was looking to start over and I went down there, but little did I know I was bringing Derek with me. Yeah. You know, and, and even though I changed my address and changed my phone <laughs> number. Um, can't get rid of Derek. Can't get rid of Derek. <laughs> you so, you know, old habits followed me down yeah. there. Um, you know, and, and I worked construction um, and soccer got put on the back burner. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I did make a comeback um, somewhere, I want to say I must have been 22 or 3. There was an open tryout at Gillette. My mother had sent me the copy of the paper and she's telling me I need to try out and yeah. for the revolution. And Little did she know, you know, mom had no clue what I was doing yeah. at that time. I mean, she had an idea, but um, I had told her that, you know, that, that that ship had sailed and yeah. um but so you, I, didn't, you didn't go to the tryouts i did yeah. i did go to it anyways i got put on their uh, farm team which back then the revolution had um cape cod crusaders yeah and um it was an opportunity to come back and go pro yeah and of course i couldn't put the stuff down i was working construction i was playing soccer full-time on an extremely competitive level but um, you're using too and using and still, believe it or not, performing. I was just gonna say, like, you've been using a lot yeah. and you still made it onto the farm team. Yeah, well. yeah, so, you know, and it's like soccer wasn't paying my bills quick enough. Yeah. So it got to the point where my boss was like, look, you, you need to pick a career, soccer or construction. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up uh, putting the soccer ball down, retiring the cleats and, um, Unfortunately, you know, you know that's something that I, I've always said. I'm not quite sure I'll ever fully, fully uh, be at peace with. Yeah. You know, but um, I'm, I'm beyond it. Um, it you know, it's it, what's done is done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you 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 have to um, you have to. Well, I mean, you have come to peace with it in in a some way, right? Yeah. You are moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically. Do you know this past World Cup was the first World Cup that I've watched? I couldn't watch a soccer game on really? TV. It would eat me alive. It, yeah. it would. I would be dissecting the game, and then I would change the channel because I'd yeah. be like, "That I can be out there." Right. And um, it was like that for a while. And so, um, so now, soccer's done. Now you kinda. Yeah. Coaching. Uh, are you a coach now? Yeah. No, that's good. But I, I mean, like, Playing when no. you when you finally you said you know I'm, you retired the cleats, and so where did you go from there? So now you you're still working construction. Yeah. Still on the Cape. Still on the Cape. Derek's still there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Derek's running rampant. <laughs> um, Derek's trying to hustle and make moves, and you know, uh, you know, I st I started uh, trafficking cocaine from New yeah. Bedford to the Cape, and. Uh, you know, back to around that era, the club drugs were pretty big, so, yep. so we were doing that whole thing. And, um, you know, just, um, 
just literally just running amok and um, and then I started doing my product and uh, I started developing a habit you know and it, and it was it was like sniffing cocaine and then it was like sh smoking cocaine yeah you know and um, and then I got wrapped up in December of 2004 um, in a situation down the Cape where I was facing a lot of jail time. It was uh, firearm related and, um, you know, it, it was an ugly part of my life. Um, you, you would think like the normal person that walked in my shoes yeah. would have probably learned from that. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly wish I could say I did, I didn't. What was your mindset? Can you, can you, can you, can you like think back now in that moment, what was your mindset like? Obviously you're hustling, <laughs> you know, it's a, I mean, it's a very me, 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 gotta get the money, but like, like you were just saying like, a normal person would have said, all right, I gotta, I gotta do something here. What was your thought process? Can you? Scared to death, run, run. Yeah. Um, you know, I was facing a lot of time. There was multiple charges involved, not just the firearm and, um, you know, the, 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 the drugs and the fear and, and all that stuff were telling me like things like literally like go to Mexico. Yeah. Run. Um, and crazy. you might rationalize that, and, right? I'm, and I'm justifying it like, yeah. you know, uh, and at the time I was, uh, I was 20, 24, almost 25 years old. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up um, going through court and my counsel advised me not to take it to trial and to take the plea bargain and that whole thing. And I was put on probation for a couple of years and-, and um, So did you take the, did you take the plea? I did and, and I regretted that years later. Yeah. Um, you know, but back then I was such a scared little boy that I didn't want to take it to trial. <clears throat> and uh, you well, know. So what were you looking at? It, it's so it was concurrent it was all like federal state time yeah. county time it was all 18 years so you're looking at 18 years over taking the plea deal which what put you on probation yeah i did some jail time county time yeah. i got out uh with a ton of stipulations and two years probation um random drug screening it's kind of crazy because like when you think like you're looking at 18 years you know, you're like, well, this isn't so bad over here. No, um, I don't know. I got that was it wasn't odd. It was all God. Yeah, you know. So, um, so you did your county time. You get, you get out. You're on probation. Yeah. What happens? Where do you go from there? So I want to get off Cape Cod, right? I want to yeah. grab my stuff and go relocate, start yeah. over again. Where you <laughs> no idea. <laughs> um, I got a bag on my shoulder, yeah. and uh, my kid's mother uh, picked me up on uh, Barnstable County and I had a phone number from my biological father who I hadn't spoke to in 18 years. Wow. And I called him out of the clear blue and I was like, you need to come pick me up at the Sagamore Bridge. Yeah. And, um, you know, totally caught him off guard, but um, he, came, he did come down and um, I stayed with him for a few months in Hyde Park. And um, shortly thereafter, me and my kid's mother got a place together in Natick. How's your, uh, how was your dad doing at the time? Uh, good. He he had restarted his life and it worked for him. Um, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to iron out our personal stuff. Yeah. But uh, he had a new life, a new yeah. family. Um, I got to meet my uh, my brother and my sister, who yeah. are you know to this day are really good kids. And 
Does, does your dad drink? Uh, no, he's 29 years sober. 29 years sober? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. He was a maniac, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously that must have had some effect on you when you were growing up. Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely did. And, and you know, I, I, I talk about that stuff a lot. Like, you know, ultimately that's not what really makes me a drug addict. Right. Right. I, it certainly played a role in mm -hmm. some fashion. Um, but there's other things that qualify me as the real deal drug addict, and we can get into that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when I was learning about addiction and everything, um, you know, there's other factors. Obviously, family plays a part in it, and um, um, hereditary. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, choice. Mm. You know, I mean. Yeah. So, um, but, um, so, don't talk to your dad that much anymore? I do. You do? The 12 steps in the amends process has been a beautiful thing for me. Yeah. And uh, it, um, it allowed me to see truth. Uh -huh. uh, it allowed me to uh, rebuild a relationship or, or start a relationship. Because yeah. I never really felt like I had one with my dad because he, he, he left my life at a very young age. Right. You know, um, he is in my life today. Um, you know, and he got to meet his grandchildren yeah. for the first time. Um, so yeah, he, he is present. He's at all my uh, my son's soccer games and basketball stuff. Yeah, that's excellent. And yeah. uh, obviously the steps uh, helped you forgive with forgiveness. Yeah. Which is huge, but we'll jump into that. Let's, let's go back real quick to, so uh, you and your ex got a place? We did, yeah. Yeah, and, and where'd you go from there? So you, now you're just, Sober, clean and sober? Yeah, I'm abstinent. Yeah, so you're not using anything, but... Nope. Okay, so now you guys get your own place. What happened from there? I got court ordered to um, AA. I went, I was stipulated, had to get my card signed, didn't hear one message. Yeah, um, very common. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were living in Natick, and um, I was just working construction. Yeah. Um, I had started my own construction company at that point, and... Um, you know, because I don't like authority. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, don't want anyone telling me what to do. So, you know, I, I did that. Had a lot of success with it right out of the gate. Um, you know, and and then we, we kind of stayed in that, like, Metro West area. Yeah. Um, I actually had purchased um, a nightclub in Worcester mm -hmm. and um, right on Main Street. And, um, you know, apparently you shouldn't buy a bar if you're an alcoholic. <laughs> well, I was thinking that. You know. I was going to get into uh, that very shortly, but whatever, you yeah, know. My PO was like, what is wrong with you, buddy? Yeah. What, was you, what, was you, what were you thinking when you bought the nightclub? Like? I'm, like, thinking I'm going to be like, like Tony Montana. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make my comeback. I'm going to do this different this yeah. time. You got you know, this. You know, I got this. Yeah. And um, You've learned. You know, <laughs> even the language of being an admitted alcoholic or drug addict was not even anywhere near the mark for me yeah. at that point. Um, you know, it was like, hurry up, wrap this probation up, and let me get back to making my money and yeah. do what I do, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me, 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 me. And I uh, put a strain on my relationship with my kid's mother to the work in construction, you know, general contracting, and then at night I'm at the club, you know, um, I, I've told this before is like, I remember the day I was getting off probation and I called my PO. Yeah. And I asked him what time. 
And he said, and he laughed because he knew what time it was. Yeah. He's like, when you when the courts close at 4:30, you're officially done. Yeah. So at 4:31, you know what was going down, <laughs> right? Uh, itching for two years, yeah. just abstinent. You know, with a person like me without a solution in my life, yeah. is just a, a train wreck. Yeah, it's it's just it's just waiting to happen. Yeah. So. 431 rolls around, what happened? I did not open the bar that night. I shut it down so that we could have our own private party. Yeah. I remember a limousine showed up in the front. We went around Worcester to a couple of places and blacked out, um, took some pills, drank lots of liquor. Yeah. Um, you know, and ultimately that sent me on uh, back down the Oxycontin journey, yeah. you know. Isn't that crazy? So two years, two years you had the will to stay Self-will. Self-will. Yeah. You know, which is huge because it's a very, a lot of people don't have that. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, and then for, so the probation was over. It's not funny, but it is. The second. Because that's like, that's that mindset. I'm know? like, I'm like, 431. <laughs> You know, and it's there's never a shortage of people around you. Just want to be right there and oh, get yeah. off with you, right? Yeah, my mother was there. You know, yeah. Um, my 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 business partner at the time, and um, yeah, it just. Um, so where'd you end up? Now you're right back. Uh, you know what people always say is like, um, you go right back to day one. Yeah. Maybe like when you start using. So, pick up where uh, you left off. You pick up where you left off. And yeah. That was obviously the case, correct? Yeah. 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 So what, what, um, what happened? What you? Yeah. So now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking pills and I'm, I'm drinking hard liquor and um, drinking regularly, you know, daily. Yeah. Um, justifying it because, you know, I deserve it and I work hard enough right. and it's my house and all that stuff. And. You know, but hiding the pill stuff from my kid's mother and, um, you know, I don't have any children at this time in my life. Um, but, yeah, it just progressively got worse and um, it got to the point where, you know, fast forward, I guess I'm now, I'm 28, 29 years old. I, I pick up a habit, a pill habit, and now I'm buying big amounts of this stuff yeah. just to feed self. Um, you Still know, selling it. sell a little yeah. bit on the side just so I can break even and get mine for free. Yeah, you know, like Genius. the good drug dealer that I am, yeah. or thought I was, right? You still got the club going? Is the club up and? No, I sold that. I had a shady business partner who yeah. stole a lot of money from me. Um, you know, in 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 that, um, you know, that I sold it right back to the guy I bought it yeah. from. It's still there. It's operating under another name. Yeah. So. Um, Kids. When did your kids come into the? Yep. So <clears throat> my son was born uh, in January of 2010. Mm -hmm. So I had just turned 30. Um, Were you still you um, still active? Yep. Yep. Not admitted at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and truthfully, I had uh, we had relocated to Braintree, mm -hmm. um, which I have roots in. Right. And uh, with having a baby and stuff like that, we wanted to be kind of closer to family. Um, and I, I had a raging, raging pill habit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I ended up, um, when he was two, I had gotten sectioned. Yep. And um, who, who sectioned you? 
my kid's mother, my mom, and then my mother's brother, my uncle Mike, who's yeah. my probably my closest uncle. Yep. That's yeah. tough. It was tough, you know, and I tried to fight it tooth and nail, but hey, I did you hate them? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's funny, like I'm in Matchy, like, you know, trying to figure a way out and little do I know I can walk right out the door. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um but no, I mean potentially I mean saved my life. Obviously, yeah. I'm still here, uh, f for for God knows why. But um, you know, just just grateful. Like when I look back at all these crazy stories, yeah. you know, and um, I I strung together um, almost three years on self will again. Yeah. And um, so did you went through uh, Matsy? Yep. And then um, so you stopped then. Yeah. And then so you were able to hold off for another three years. Yeah. Uh, still not working on yourself. Nothing. Not sobriety. No. Nope. But what was the, um, why? Why three years? If you're not working on yourself, you're not working on your sobriety. Why, what was keeping you? Why were you, you staying? Clean? My main motivator was my son, yeah. right? I wanted to break that cycle, um, you know, and I remember there was a clinician in that building who asked me what was going to keep me sober. Yeah. And I told him my two-year-old, and he kind of laughed at me. And, um, you know, I remember wanting to, like, slap him. Yeah. Be like, you don't know me. Yeah. You know, but he knew. He, he, he was right. He knew that the love of my own child wasn't enough. And um, that was my main motivation. Yeah. It was certainly not for me. Um, and money kept me motivated. You know, yeah. um, the gym was a huge part of my life. I yep. got really into my, my fitness. I got back involved in church. Yeah. Um, and I had this idea that I was just going to like work my own program. Um, doing it on your own. Doing it on my <laughs> own, you know. Yeah. And um, I went, I did go to some AA meetings locally and stuff, but um, that was just all part of the act. Yeah. You know. When you look back now. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, just to appease, you know. Um, and um, church. Um, did you get anything from church when you went in? I did. Something? I really did. Um, I mean, I still do to this day. I, I've I've jumped church families. Yeah. Um, Which is know. common. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but there's a lot. I think today, now, um, you know, there's... Uh, a lot of a lot of options yeah. out there, um, and and I don't force force my beliefs down anybody's throat, but right. um, but you know it works for you. It, it does, yeah. you know. It definitely, definitely. I mean, God is all in my whole story, you yeah. know, throughout the entire time. Yeah. I know. Um, we talk about that. We've talked about that. I mean, a lot of people that come on the show talk about it because it's maybe a click moment or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, higher power, whatever it is that you want to call them. But, um, and we'll, we'll um, talk about that a little more. I'm just kind of curious. So, like you were saying, I've had other people on the podcast, the same thing. Their, their, their child was going to keep them sober and they, and it, you know, and it didn't happen. No. Um, how did, did you remember how you felt? Like, I mean, did you even feel anything when you, when it, it you, you were no longer sober? I mean, oh, yeah, again, yeah. did you I, feel that, the guilt? It was the worst run of my life. I mean, guilt, shame, oh, all those things? A hundred percent. I remember it like it was yesterday. And that feeds, that, yeah. that feeds the addiction, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and it happened so like casually and innocently. Yeah. Um, Talk about that, casual and innocent, because I think yeah. it creeps. Oh, it creeped. 
it creeped. Yeah, a little um, at a time. I was doing a project in Framingham, and I I had was working long like twelve hour days on yeah. a, on a finished basement, and um, I was hungry, and I had said to my cousin who I have a history of partying with. Yeah. Um, I, I had suggested we go to the 99 to get some boneless buffalo wings. Yeah. And we sat down in the booth and, you know, just like the waitress comes over, can I get you guys a drink? And he says, yeah, you know, a round of beers. And um, I, I refuse the first mm -hmm. time. And then he's giving me a hard time and I refuse it again. Yeah. And then the third time I give in and I'm like, okay, just one. Like holding her accountable that she's just going to bring me one yeah. beer. You know, and I remember her coming to the table and, and, and smelling the beer and then just putting it down and um and then she comes over you know it's almost to the bottom and she's like can i get you guys another and i'm like absolutely yeah you know but like looking back on that night it was such a pivotal night in my life um because not only did it send me on the worst run of my life yeah um it was a great learning moment when i was able to come into recovery where my yeah. sponsor could really like dissect that whole evening. Mm -hmm. um, so you, when you when you think back, like like you're looking from the outside now, and like you just remember everything about that first sip. Yeah. And the feelings and everything that come with it. There was really no guilt or shame at that very very moment. Yeah. It didn't come until the next morning. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and I say it all the time. Like I literally went into the ninety nine for boneless buffalo wings and left with a 14-month heroin habit. Wow. Just so like that. Right back in at it. Boom. I mean, I went from changing my mind to having just one to a handful of beers to having Patron to doing cocaine to needing to come down yeah. and then getting home safely, right? It would have been better if I got pinched on the way home. Mm -hmm. It would have saved, you know, a bunch of heartache and hostages. But, um, you know, I just remember that next morning, like, waking up and my kid's mother and, and, and my kid going, you know, leaving the house and being left with self and that feeling of guilt and shame yeah. and it was just so nauseating, like I had lost something. Yeah. Even though, although I wasn't working a program. Yep. I, I but that time, still, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, um, I've been there. Um, not as bad, but I, I remember the, um, the guilt and the shame after I had had a little um, stint of sobriety. Uh, mm. But it didn't last long, and uh, but so now fourteen months, right? Yeah, everything Horrible. is uh, obviously affected the family. Oh God, yeah. yeah, affected anyone that I knew. Yep. Um, nothing crippled me like IV heroin. Yeah, nothing. You know, um, I you know I historically could back myself into a corner and, and always would have some bounce back mm -hmm. and could and some self will. You know, as I just discussed, and th this here had such had such a stranglehold on me that you know the end of my run really looked like you know me hysterically crying. Yeah. You know, trying to get it in me, can't because I'm uncontrollably shaken. Yeah. Um, and not even you know, not even going, getting high without my own permission, not even wanting to get high anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What's it? What's it? What's it feel like um, when you're uh, withdrawing from heroin? Can you? Yeah. Share that like 
the nausea, the aches. Yep, all that, you know, the back ache, the, the restless legs, the constantly in the bathroom, you know, you haven't, you're not eating, so that nothing's really coming out, you know, not to be gross, but it's just like, um, you it's know, horrific, and then the mind, it? the, oh, it's, it, it is the worst, I don't wish <coughs> it on my worst enemy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just such a horrible experience and like, no matter what, like I have hundreds, hundreds of like tomorrows yeah. or hundreds of like, this is my last time, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's, it just, it, you know, it, it does something to the brain yep. um, that doesn't really allow us to just shut it off, you know, right. like that. Um, there are some people out there and, and hats off to them, you know, that, that was never my, my case. I, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't stop for the life of me, for my, for my child, for my kid's mother, for my mother, for my friends, family. I was losing my construction company that was very lucrative at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, and very successful, well, well known in town. Um, you know, and you know, and I, unfortunately the money ran out. The, the, the construction industry fueled my addiction yeah. all those years. Um, even before I had my own business, um, you know, construction generally pays, pays pretty well. Right. And, um, but with being self-employed, uh, it was just nonstop. I mean, massive amounts of money. Um, and, um, you know, multiple overdoses, um, you know, ended up in, you know, South Shore Hospital, um, got DCF in my life. Mm -hmm. Um that wasn't enough to stop me, right. you know. Um, and it's, it's not that, I mean, you wanted to stop. A hundred percent. Like if you hooked me up to a lie detector test, I would pass. Right. If you asked me if I wanted to get high anymore, I would say no. I know, I, you know, it's, I think it's, t it's tough for people to understand that uh, you, people don't want to do this. No. But that, that addiction has such a grip, like you were talking the brain. Yeah. It just, it gets a hold of it, and, and, and your mind is just telling the body, um, you know, you're gonna die if you don't get this. Well, what it does is it rewires our survival yeah. mechanisms in our brain. So like, you know, the normal person who's not addicted, right, who, you know, so let's go back to that like whole court case that I had right on the Cape. Like the normal person would get out of that and, and probably never go back to that right. lifestyle. Um, but see, what the drugs do to, to the brain is it rewires our survival skills. So like normal people that know how to shower, eat, yeah. have responsibilities, commitments that they need to be at, they show up for those things. Right. But someone like myself, who when I have a mind or mood altering substance in my body, my, I'm not showering, I'm certainly right. not shaving, I'm definitely not eating, I'm drinking though, Yeah. right? Yeah. all those things and my drug of choice now becomes my priority right. on that list so it's basically your number one so where somebody normal would be like i'm gonna brush my teeth i'm gonna have some breakfast that's not that's no. not you right. your number one is i gotta get out and i gotta get the drug that's it yeah so that's it um so 14 months what happened now so what happened at the end of the 14 months that now yeah. all of a sudden you know there's that thought that i gotta I gotta get clean, I gotta get sober. Yeah, so, um, you know, I had DCF come to my house and I remember my kid's mother saying, begging me, crying, pleading, you know, Derek, please, for 30 minutes, just don't be messed up. Yeah. And, um, and I looked at her 
you know, and I looked her right in the eye and I told her, okay, and I knew in my heart that that wasn't even possible. Mm -hmm. That wasn't an option. Yeah. Um, you know, so I showed up to my own home that day with the DCF worker in my house and I was a mess and um, I had just gotten high because I, you know, I'm not going to go in that situation unless I'm numbing myself. Right. It's just too much to bear. And um, he knew right, right, right off the rip. And um, he's like, look, kid, he's like, you need help. You know, um, yeah, I'm not, you're not, your son's not going to be able to stay here mm -hmm. um, in, under the same roof unless you get help. And I'm like, you need help, you know? Yeah. I'm like, this is my house, yep. you know? And uh, it just got ugly. Um, and I was just so out of control. And the cops ended up at my house, and I picked up some new charges. And... Um, I got brought to, well, ironically, a week before that, there was an officer that, um, you know, Officer Gillis, I would love to give a shout out to from Braintree PD, uh, who's out there on the front lines. He, he actually came to my house. He knew I had overdosed and he offered to get me in the Gavin. And, um, you know, this is a week prior to the DCF visit. And um, I said, oh no, I'm good, dude. Like I'm on Suboxone, <laughs> yeah. like look, here's the script. and. Um, you know, and he knew I was full of shit and, um, he ended up, um, coming in in his street clothes the night I got arrested and, um, and he was like, what happened? You know, and, and, and for that man to like, I'll never forget that, like him coming in, you know, leaving his family, yeah. coming in and, and to my cell and talking to me, uh, just for a couple of minutes, you know, and, um, I can tell you that that, that that night that I had spent at the police department, I was at so much peace, man. Like, I didn't know if I was going to jail. Mm -hmm. I was gonna try to section myself and ask the judge for, for help, yeah. tell him I needed help. Um, I just knew I wasn't getting high anymore. Yep. And to me, that alone was so, I slept so good that night. Really? On that little steel bench with the <laughs> McDonald's they and were throwing at me. No, that's <laughs> yeah. certainly not. You know, and I had some knucklehead next door who apparently had never been locked up who would not stop the whole night. Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, through the grace of God, like, I, I went to court that Monday and I was able to, um, an opportunity was presented to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to go to a legitimate place down in South Florida in Delray Beach. And um, it was 12-step based, and yep. um, you know, um, a woman that that's still close to my heart, Rabbi Jenny, I love you. Um, you know, was the director down there, and, and um, it was a different approach to treatment. Yeah. And you know, the lights went on for me down there. Why? Um, I wonder why. Like, why all of a sudden there? Like, it's just it's. They were on. They were do. It was something special. Yeah. And from the moment you walked in the door. I I knew. I I mean. Well, I was still, I was like detoxing down on the plane, um, down to Florida. But like, this is the delusion yeah. that the drugs put us in. Like, so here I am at my house, like I'm going to treatment in Florida. Yeah. I'm treating it like a vacation. I'm like, where's my flip flops? Where's my bathing suit? Where's yeah. my tanning lotion? Like, that's the delusion. Yeah. Right? Um, I go through detox for a few days and then they transport me up to Del Rey. And I knew immediately um, when I got to this, this facility that um, 
that I had nothing like that exists up here. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen anything like this. Um, the people that were hands-on with the clients were all required to be in recovery. Um, they were so compassionate and um, so caring. Um, you know, totally not doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the owners and upper management <clears throat> had a falling out and um, you know, that place does not exist anymore, but I'm forever grateful uh, for mm -hmm. Epiphany, you know, and Rabbi Jenny, um, who's gone on to bigger and better things out yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. So, um, so you had that click moment. I did, and, I really did. And so, um, how long did you stay there? I was down in South Florida. I did the PHP, which is partial hospitalization program. Um, I did that for 35 days. Um, and then I, you know, I, I went, I skipped over phase two, which was a non-working house, mm -hmm. and went to the phase three house, which I was able to work. I found construction down there immediately, did IOP. But see what I, the difference, like looking back on it, is I had all this free time. Yeah. And I found myself regularly attending meetings down there. And, um, and which listening. was a, in listening yeah. and sitting up front, yeah. which was different for me. I used to sit in death row with my arms yeah. crossed, mean mugging everybody, yeah. right? You know, and um, and I was getting little by little, I was getting hope from from people and, and the messages that were being carried down in Delray, because um, although it's the relapse capital of the world, it's also the recovery capital right. of the world, and um, you know, and I just I I had laser beam focus. Uh, a, a, a kid that was from Massachusetts had cracked a big book with me. It was a requirement in the house I was in. Um, there was no dilly-dallying. Uh, I was in an Oxford group style home. And it, they, for those of you that don't know, um, you haven't made any sober houses up here. Yeah. Um, you know, it was um, an eye-open experience. I had my first uh, if you want to call it spiritual awakening or whatever moment of clarity was in the doctor's opinion and um, things started to click and make sense for me for the first time you know um, but see here I was doing the sober living thing down there and I had a son up here and my yeah. daughter wasn't born yet that I missed the shit out of and I'm like I was so afraid of coming back home to Mass and falling back into that yeah. trap that I, I wanted to restart down there. I was, I was very happy with my recovery, um, but I missed my son too much, so I came home to sober living here. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's how I met my sponsor and the sober network that I have. And, you know, he's the one that guided me into where I started to have the feeling of like, I need to get out of the trades. If I need, if I'm gonna stay sober, yeah. that's one area I need to look at, you know. And then I started to have this like overwhelming feeling of like I want to work in treatment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who the hell is gonna hire me? I have no experience whatsoever, right. well, no you, you, college. You, no, you don't have that. You you got experience. Right on the but, other side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So turns out that um, there was a brand new program that was started in Brockton. Um, through High Point, um, and it was called the Arch Program, and a woman, um, you know, that is is so so dear to me, Cat Michael. Um, she's no longer here with us. Um, she had passed away in April, but mm -hmm. she gave me an opportunity when nobody else would, and um, I was able to um, go through the recovery coach training. Mm -hmm. um, started working in the emergency rooms in Brockton. And it was through that that 
I had found my purpose-driven passion in life. And it, it was just like, it wasn't work to me. It was just like, so natural. Yeah. And, uh, and it felt so good to be able to um, actually um, help people right. and, and, and give back, you know? Which is huge. Absolutely. Now I had the idea that that was gonna be a really big, it played a part and does play a part in my recovery. But like going into it, I had this idea that like, maybe I didn't have to go to so many meetings or mm -hmm. maybe I didn't have to do this. And that wasn't the case. I'm the guy that still needs the whole unity service recovery. Right. I can't get away with just a slice of the pie. So it's, li it's, it's literally become a part of your life. It's, it's like become your my whole life. And, yeah. Live it, eat it, sleep it, breathe it, speak it. Well, I mean, we, we can tell from this podcast when you do something, you're, you're in it yeah. completely, whether it's soccer. And to win it, baby. <laughs> so, um, so that's excellent. Um, so how, so you, now you're involved in recovery, you're helping people. Um, and I'm sure, you know, the fact that you lived it, it I mean, it, that's, that's powerful for people because it, it brings so much hope. Yeah. You know, is he, or yeah. he was this way and now he's doing well. Let's talk about um, the Joseph House. How did you end up, from, from helping other people, how'd you end up with the Joseph House? So going into, um, coming home from Florida, I saw the racket down there and, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on, houses opening up. And I had this idea that maybe like, if I could just get well enough, yeah, maybe one day with my construction background, I could open up a men's sober house. Mm -hmm. And um, it started out like that. Um, I got into the field working at the ARCH program. And as that snowballed and progressed, I started working on this in the background, behind closed doors, putting a business plan together and started looking at properties and just kept on getting shot down, shot yeah. down because of the stigma. and. You know, and um, I, I didn't have like a team of investors to back me to go buy property. So it's like looking at rentals and, um, you know, it was frustrating, um, you know, but through the grace of God, uh, an old coworker, and I'm gonna give another shout out, Shayla O'Toole, I love you, um, you know, was the one that made that happen for me. Um, she, she was working at a house across the street from where Joseph's house is located. And she saw that it was under construction and she approached the owner and she said, hey, look, are you looking to rent this out as a sober house? I know, I know a guy. Mm -hmm. And the owner said, sure. And oh, wow. uh, she facilitated the meet and greet. And um, the house's story is kind of cool because like this guy bought it as is. Mm -hmm. It was in a fire. He gutted the whole thing. Um, and you know, I, I relate it to, it's kind of cool to be like a sober house because I think a lot of the time, like we put ourselves in the fire, not by choice, you know? Right. And, um, and it's like recovery is like a whole rebuilding process and the houses, um, I've been able to participate in the construction and we've gotten generous donations mm -hmm. uh, through our GoFundMe. Um, people have donated their time, their labor, uh, and things like that, so. Yeah. So uh, where is it located? 126 Bullard Street in New Bedford, Mass. In New Bedford, right, okay. it's in the north end. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, still still in construction, still coming about, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, a little behind, unfortunately, but we're getting there. Yeah. You know. And uh, so talk about uh, Revelations Recovery. So Revelations, that's yeah. That's uh, part of it. <clears throat> so Revelations um, is a spinoff of the name Epiphany, mm -hmm. which is the treatment center I went to in Delray. And... Um, Basically, it just means like a, it's like a divine awakening yeah. to, to a previous unknown fact mm -hmm. um, that exists in the world. And so when I read the definition behind it, um, I was like, I got to have it. Um, you had an epiphany. I had, yeah, the <laughs> light bulb, because their, yeah. their logo was the light bulb. Um, so, yeah, Revelations Recovery is just the brand, the, 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 the business name, because yeah. at the end of the day, it is a business. Right. Um, you know, but we're going to specialize in uh, quality mm -hmm. uh, recovery residences, which um, I believe we lack up here, not just here, everywhere. Right. Um, very, very solution-based. Um, you know, and, and, and we designed, like, the, the curriculum that we're going to do is actually based on things that are currently happening in some of the sober homes up here, uh, or not happening, right. or what needs to happen. Uh, we wanted to put our, I, you know, anyone that knows me knows I gotta kinda create my own lane. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to do, um, give extra added amenities um, to, to people in early recovery to help them recover, because yeah. that's the ultimate goal. We not keep these people, you know, for a year. We, we wanna get them recovered um, you know, and, and get that their families restored, their lives restored, their souls restored, um, and get them um, back to being productive members of society. Do you, um, how many beds will you have there? There's going to be 18 beds plus a, a, a full-time house manager. Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, <clears throat> will be 12-step? Uh, 12-step, very structured. Yeah. Very structured, very yeah. important. You know, and so uh, you're a recovery coach. I am. Um, and as you know, I, I went to that training myself, yeah. um, which I thought was excellent. Um, part of the uh, podcast or the reason behind the podcast was to have that open discussion because uh, my recovery is different than your recovery, which we learn in the recovery uh, coach um, training and everything. So some people kind of frown on the 12 steps. They're like, oh, I can't mm -hmm. do the 12 steps. And I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I also think, um, well, we know it works. Works for me. It works. Um, it, it might not work for everybody. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, the 12 steps would be a part of that program, but um, if somebody was coming in, they'd, they'd probably already know that up front, right? That's something that we would, <coughs> um, you know, we go over, um, we have it all mapped out. We're going to yeah. go over all the requirements, the curriculum, everything that entails as being a resident at Joseph's house. Um, before they even before commit, they yeah. before we take any money from them yeah. at all, um, you know, and, and there's been a lot of conversation um, with some of my peers about that, and it's like, you know, well, what if you have someone that's not really into the 12 steps? Well, Joseph's house not for them. Yeah. I cannot sell and promote anything else other than the, than a 12-step solution-based house. Right. It, the 12 steps was the first and only thing that has thoroughly worked right. for my lifelong problem. Well, not just you, but I mean, many, many others. And I'm not knocking other pathways. Right. It, they, they, they exist, as you were just touching yeah. on, multiple pathways to right. recovery. 
But for me, uh, in my piece, yeah. I, I can't talk about that stuff. It didn't work for me. Right. And uh, you, 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 you've gone through a lot of them. I have. Yeah. So uh, I think that's fantastic. So now let's as, um, so you have um, the award ceremony coming up this Sunday. Yeah. It's in uh, Abington? It is. And what's the location? It's uh, 55 Whale Street in Abington. It's at the Polish Club. At the Polish Club in Abington. So um, what's the name of the award ceremony? So it's our first annual Revelations Recovery yep. Award Recognition okay. Banquet. So uh, tell, tell everybody what that, um, what that consists of because, um, you know, when we had talked, uh, I couldn't do it myself. Uh, I know you called me and asked me to be involved, which I would have. I wish you could have. But yeah. uh, um, Next year, next year. Yeah, I'm, uh, next year, I'd love to be a part of that. Um, this weekend, as you know, I'm running the Tough Mudder. Yeah, Up at Gunstock Mountain. I'm doing it with <laughs> my two boys. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that, yeah. um, I think. We're gonna we're gonna share some memories, make some memories. No, I don't know awesome. if they'll necessarily be good ones, but uh, but it's gonna be fun. So um, so I'm sorry I can't be a part of it. If I do get back, I would love to come by. But so you're gonna start at two o'clock, right? Yeah. Um, and just take us through the night. What can people expect? Yeah. And so, why you're doing this? Okay. So so basically, we're looking to do a final fundraiser. Yep. Um, and. You know, as I started to toss around all these ideas, I didn't want to just do like your typical fundraiser. I wanted to come up with something that outside the box, and it was an idea that came to me one night in my living room. And uh, you know, I looked around; there wasn't really many events like that. Right. And uh, I started to reach out to the individuals, and um, you know, I selfishly picked these individuals because these individuals. Um, where, whereas, you know, living, eating, sleeping, breathing recovery in, yeah. in my life for almost three years now is like, I know who's, who's the real deal and, right. and, and, and not. And, um, you know, a lot of these individuals have helped me either personally, professionally, mm -hmm. or both. And, um, you know, and I feel like they should be honored because, you know, a lot of us are underpaid and overworked right. and, and we don't do it for the money. Um, you know, so... Basically, um, you know, the hall was generously donated. Yep. Um, everything was pretty much donated. Corey Finney from the Safe Project yep. uh, sponsoring it. Two to three is going to be social hour. Yep. Just people getting there. Um, at three o'clock, I'm going to steal the mic, do an opening speech, um, and then we're going to roll right into the first half of the awards, mm -hmm. uh, which are going to run about 90 minutes. We're going to go right into a dinner. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll do a small intermission and then roll right into the second half of the awards um, and then have a closing speaker, uh, Pastor Gene Belazia, who I worked with over at High Point and is yeah. a wonderful human being. Um, and then have a Patriots after party. There you go. A little celebration, <laughs> you know. So, a good celebration this yeah. time around, right? Yeah. Yeah. We so. won't be going to the 99. <laughs> no. No. Um, so that's excellent. Congratulations on that. And, you know, and it's funny because, you, like you did say, uh, people are out there, they're working hard. And, and they're not looking for the recognition. But you know what? It is nice to, 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 to point out these people that are really out there making a difference. Because, I, sure. you know, me being part of the Hobart Cares Coalition, 
sometimes you just you you, you know you just get kind of get beat down you get worn down you're like are we even making a difference That's are we right. even and we are and i think that like this award ceremony is is excellent because it just kind of like just throws out like yeah you, we are doing something good and and these are the people right you know and it's it's really a, a great place for contacts and to yeah. to meet in with other people that are doing the same thing that we're doing so and it's going to be a good way too to like i thought i i'm all about working together and networking yeah. and i don't think there's enough of that yeah um you know so it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool to see all these people yeah. together under one roof and we're going to have that podcast live. Yep. Um, Scott Sandinato from Sando Films is going to be going around taking um, video and, and um, photography uh, of the event, too. Mm -hmm. So um, there's going to be plenty of food. There's going to okay. be a dessert bar, coffee bar. Um, it's going to be it's going to be emotional for me, um, you know, so I'm, I'm excited, though. I so really, really am. And it's going to be fun. It's gonna be a lot and, of fun, and that's uh, we need more of that. Yeah, and, and a portion of the proceeds are are also going to um, the Abington uh, Coalition, which okay. I'm a member of. Uh, shout out to Alex Bazanson, our new state rep. Yep. Um, yeah, so he's been a big help. His wife Lisa Bazanson. Um, will they be there? They will be there. Okay. Yep, they will be there. We're gonna have. Uh, the only we wanted to do away with the resource tables for this event, yeah. kind of make it a relaxing, fun evening. Yep. But we are going to have the Abington Coalition yep. uh, table set up. So yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Excellent. So if uh, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, this Sunday, um, the Polish Club in Abington, two o'clock, the uh, doors open up. Tickets can get uh, purchased on Eventbrite. Correct. Um, you know, and it's going to be a DJ. It's going to be a fun night. So if you're looking for something to do and you want to come out and make some contacts, um, I will put the, um, the. Oh, I was just looking at the poster over there. Um, I'll get that information up onto the description of this particular podcast, and I'll put the link in. Yeah. Um, for the tickets and stuff, so people can go right to the description and get there from. Yeah, uh, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, uh, Derek, thank you, brother, for coming thank in. You. Um, thank you. Love the story. I'm glad everything has uh, has worked out um, and continues to work out. And it's great to to meet you and see that you're back in the community, um, helping other people and family members and stuff. Because this is what this is all about. Um, as you guys know, I belong to the Hobart Cares Coalition. Uh, we meet the first Tuesday of every month up at the uh, Hobart Town Hall from 7 to 9 p.m. It's a great um, opportunity to um, tap into some resources. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can message us, Rock Bottom to Recovery. We're on iTunes, Podbeans. You can listen to past episodes. We have doctors, politicians. Mm -hmm. um, we have we have some pretty good um, the real deal. Yeah, we got some pretty good um, podcasts going, and um, you know if you like a podcast, listen to it, spread the word. Let's get the word out there. We really want to um, give everybody the opportunity to uh, to talk about addiction, to talk about recovery, to talk about life, and and uh, bring as many resources as possible. Um, so with that said, thank you. Be safe. Uh, we'll be back next week with somebody new. I don't know who it is yet. Um, yeah. We're waiting on a couple of people, but uh, we're going to get up and rolling. we got a lot of great people coming through. I would like to give a special oh, shout-out. Look to, into that camera right there. A special shout-out to my son, Joseph, my stepson, Anthony, my daughter, Gianna, mom, Dukes, my girlfriend, Samantha, 
I love all of you guys, all right? All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys.